0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less the Podcast. This is our best of 2015 episode. Now I'm going to I'm going to lay down some track for you here because this is um Unfortunately, one of the people who typically is on this show is not on the show. So Jeremy Bolm, good friend of the show, good friend of mine, good friend of the other guest on the show, Joey Cahill, he, well, let me back it up even further. So we had an episode in the can and recorded in December, and I don't know what happened, but basically the episode was deleted, and I could not find an audio file That made this sound appropriate. And it sucks. And I hate it when that happens. And honestly, it's only happened to me one other time. And I felt like an idiot. So we needed to re-record it. Jeremy, unfortunately, recently got in a car accident. And that really threw him for a loop and threw off his schedule. Threw off the time in which we were supposed to record this. And basically, long story short, I couldn't keep pushing this back until like February or March. So, you know what? You're going to have to settle with myself and my very, very good friend slash owner of 6131 Records, Joey Cahill, on doing the year-end episode. I hope you enjoy it. It's honestly one of my favorites of the year because we get to talk about all the music that we liked over the year and then all the movies and all the television show. So, it's uh it's it's a long one. Obviously, uh, you're looking at the uh, time stamp right now and you're being like, whoa, two hours. And it's like, yeah, that's that's what you're in for. So... Strap in, enjoy, and hopefully you will come away with some records you can listen to, um, some movies you can check out, and, uh, you know, either yell at us for missing certain records or, you know, whatever it is that you like to do on these things. So without further ado, here is the special Best of 2015 episode with myself and Joey Cahill talking about our favorite records, movies, and TV. And you'll, you'll join us mid-conversation where we're talking about, um, you know, frankly, I can't remember. but we'll be talking about something uh, interesting that'll kind of segue into, and actually I just realized that we recommend some podcasts as well. So there's a lot of recommendations in here and I know a lot of you really enjoy this. So again, I apologize for Jeremy. He wishes he could have been here, but um, it just didn't happen. And for the first time as well, we actually had to do this over Skype just because of, again, scheduling. So here you go. There's enough preamble here, but trust me, you'll still enjoy it. And, um, I, will, I won't I will even talk to you after the show's over because, really, you don't need to hear from me anymore after talking for two hours. Because I, I was thinking about after our last sort of powwow in regards to music, and then, obviously, our last conversation with the, you know, death of RDO and how <laughs> trying to find a suitable replacement, It, um, I, like... I, I, I I'm actually becoming nostalgic for my MP3s, like my own iTunes music file. <laughs> like, I, I find myself scrolling through that a lot more in regards to like not even looking at what's on Apple Music, but just being like, oh man, like what stuff is not readily accessible on streaming sites and services that I can listen to. Like, oh, do, you, do you do that at all?
1: Well, definitely. I, uh, and I mean, not necessarily my my go to, but. That's, you know, in the car, Nicole and I listen to Into Another Seamless, and that's the only way we can because it's not available anywhere else. That's true. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely stuff, yeah, where I'll – because I have iTunes Match or whatever that that thing's called. So it's, you know, a bunch of crappy metalcore CDs that (laughs) are definitely not out there that I will uh, be like, oh, this is still good.
0: Nope. Totally, you're like great. I got my red roses for a blue lady CD. Awesome.
1: Never liked that band.
0: No, I know. You you and I agreed on that. But
1: Comey Eternal, man, that was.
0: Oh, dude, I I loved how much you'd love that band.
1: That band was great.
0: There's actually a uh, previous guest on the uh, podcast. This designer named John Contino. He did an uh, unbelievable like '90s metalcore mix on Ardio. That was just like, I mean a good 80% of it was just unskippable. It was like every song that came on. I'm like, Oh dude, are you kidding me? (laughs) It's like, hello, 2001. Hello, 97. (laughs) Hello, 98.
1: It was just so great.
0: But yeah, it's, it's weird where like now that everything is accessible, I'm like going back to my sort of, um, I don't know. Like I got to just, I got to listen to the stuff that no one knows about sort of vibe. It's weird. Totally. The, um, and so you, you're the percentage that you broke down before for me, as far as like how you listen, like podcasts, vinyl streaming, like how do you, how do you break that down in your life?
1: Um, so I don't listen to vinyl as much as I'd like to just because it's tough. I don't really have like a room for it necessarily or a separate space. So it's just in the living room. Right. So when, you know. I'm like cleaning up with you know, ever running around like we might listen to some records. He's very curious about the record player, so that's exciting, sort of <laughs> exciting that he's curious. It's terrifying that he will touch it, right? Um, and then, so like you know, and then I listened. Really, I really don't listen to music in the car really, rarely ever, unless it's to listen to like a new six one three record record. You know, not listen to it on my computer speakers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, uh, so it's usually just podcast in the car and then Spotify at home, like playing when I'm playing video games or just not listening to records. Right. Um, so it's, I mean, I would say it's, I'd say my 50% podcast and then probably like 25, 25 streaming and, and vinyl.
0: Okay. That makes um, sense. Do you, and do you, you don't listen to any, like, you don't listen to other, like any other spoken audio, like you don't listen to audiobooks or anything like that?
1: No, I, I always think about it, but I get so, like there are certain podcasts that I have to listen to. Right. That if I get too far behind, I get really mad at myself. Right. So well, I don't, and I don't do enough driving to, uh, to even catch up on my podcast these days.
0: Right. Like the uninterrupted, like, Oh, I got a, you know, two hour stretch that I'll be able to yeah. knock out, you know, one eighth this book or whatever. Yeah. Well, speaking of podcasts, what, like I know we didn't talk about this at all, but like, you know, what are your, uh, like once the new episode is published, what are your, you know, top, top three, top four sort of, uh, sort of shows that you go to uh, present company excluded because obviously, yeah, obviously, I mean, obviously,
1: uh, my boy, Bill Simmons, um, Pretty much everything on on the watch or no, on a uh, channel 33, um, including the watch, sure, which is um, Chris. What's his last? Why I forget his name, Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan. Bleh. What is it? Chris Ryan. Chris Ryan. Um, my girl Juliet's got a couple new podcasts. Your are ex- uh, excited started. about that. <laughs> She's got a bachelor podcast that's pretty great. Um, but besides, like pretty much those those like Bill Simmons and anything on channel or most things on channel thirty three um and if it's you know um like the slash film cast I listen to as sp- pretty much as soon as possible once I've seen the movie um,
0: i love uh, I, lo- I love that like that show's so it's weird because obviously there's so many options for movie podcasts out there, but for whatever reason that's just the one that I always I just really like it. It's comforting. It's weird.
1: I really like Jeff Kanata. I feel like him and I are like kindred spirits when it comes to movies, except for not watching trailers because I think that's weird. Right. But, <laughs> but like, I feel like our like taste are very much in line. Um, and, uh, oh God, uh, David chin just makes me mad.
0: Yes. He says very, um, very, uh, provoking stuff.
1: He always has to be the one, the difficult one. Um, but uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. I like I like hearing their take, um, especially if I agree with them. <laughs> I don't like feeling different.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you like I don't like looking on the outside of this.
1: Uh, but aside from you know those podcasts, there's there's a podcast called uh, The Hound Tooth or Hound Tooth.
0: Hound Tooth discussions with Moshe Kasher. Yes. Yeah, I love I've, it. I haven't listened to that at all. It's really good. Okay, I like um, him. I like him a lot.
1: Me too. Um the recording is always a little a little spotty but um it uh it's always interesting just hearing cuz do you know the the concept of it?
0: You just usually like they have a subject and they bring like a sort of professional person that is related to that subject or am I correct?
1: Yes and then like uh there's usually two or three comics that kind of like you know chime in with jokes or ask questions and it's always it's always interesting and funny at the same time. Nice and talking about subjects that a lot of times they're like, I'm curious to know about like, you know, the gay movement in San Francisco in the seventies. Sure. They're super specific. And then like the most recent one was just religion. So, you know, (laughs) or there was one about like dinosaurs. Like it's, so they're kind of all across the board. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, those are, you know, I've kind of, you narrowed narrowed
0: your focus. Yeah.
1: There's ones that, you know, like I, WTF I've never listened to anymore um unless it's like uh and I'm sure this is breaking your heart as you, you love
0: I do worship his worship <laughs> is his canon I just uh,
1: once he got past like through all the comedians he had beef with it just didn't wasn't as interesting to me anymore I like the tension I I don't like the I don't
0: know yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can understand. I mean, he, he as a person, he's obviously uh, changed, and he's definitely keeps things very, um, very free flowing now in ways that he didn't. Um, well, I guess he always has, but uh, in in this respect, where it's just like he doesn't, um, you know, he does like literally no research for a lot of these people. Sometimes it's like the famous actors; he just kind of walks through their IMDb page.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, and that's kind of like there was it all when I think I started turning like. not being being anti-Mark Mayer, but like just being like, I don't need to listen to this every, every episode is when he uh, interviewed the guy from the shins and -hmm. it was right after their last record come out and he had fired every member of the band and just brought in like new people. And I was just like, fucking ask him about this. Like let's get to to the dirt. Like what's, what's the story. Right. And it was just like blowing smoke for an hour and it was like, okay.
0: Right. He leaves, yeah, leaves questions on the table.
1: Yes and then when he interviewed Connor oberst and talking about bright Eyes it was just like there's face palm after face palm right.
0: but <laughs> sure uh, but yeah
1: you know but those are probably my
0: uh your go-to ones yeah the uh yeah I, li- I listen to way too many I mean I, I it's like I'm looking at my uh, overcast player uh, and it's just I mean it's absurd because I, I <laughs> there I mean there's no way I'm ever caught up on anything. Um, usually I'm always like one or two behind. But it's like the uh Jamie Joss's podcast is really good. Um I, I, I'm very picky on the interviews that I listen to of his, um, because he does get um I don't know. I mean he's he's very insightful and intelligent, but there are some times where it's just it the it really depends on the guest. Like, you know, sometimes he has like old eighties hair metal dudes on and they just talk, you know, talk about steak and titties and it's just like, okay, like <laughs> That's fine, I don't yeah, <laughs> I don't identify with that. Um, the long form podcast is really, really good if you're into like journalism or um you know the press, that sort of stuff, writing in general It's just really, really interesting because it's a world that you know most people exist around but have no idea. It's like what does it mean to be a freelance writer? Do you get paid by the word and like all this other stuff where you're just like, huh that's really interesting. interesting how that works. And like, how do you write for GQ and then how you do also write for, you know, national geographic, just really interesting stuff. Um, interesting. Yeah. And then the, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, this show's really popular, but uh, a lot of people still, especially in our sort of world, don't listen to it. That 99% invisible show, um, just, you know, kind of mimicking the same sort of idea of what you're talking about with Moshe's podcast. Where, I mean, the focus of 99% Invisible is all architecture, um, and he basically just walks through, the the host, Roman Mars, just walks through, um, you know, a particular, you know, building or historical fact about this stuff. And he's, he's also obsessed with flags, like state flags and city flags and just design in general, but um, it's I a...
1: Commit. I can make a big bang Theory reference here, but I feel like i'll i'll lose I'll lose the audience
0: sorry yeah you'll you, you'll lose me i don't't I watched that show <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah neither do i <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: good hey, yeah, you, you didn't tell anybody that um, but yeah that's a really good show and it's just uh i mean it's it's unbelievable because he's built just such a wide, you know, a large audience for himself. And then he started his own network where he has like, you know, six or 700 shows underneath him. And he's just been able to do it in in the same exact principles as like, you know, like discord records is a huge influence on him and he's, Hmm. he's straight edge (laughs) and like he's like a total punk kid. Um, and so anyways, it's just really interesting to see this person who, uh, you know, would by any stretch of the imagination would look at that and be like, Oh yeah, he's just like a public radio guy. And it's like, well, no, his, his house is built on, on Ian's uh, house as opposed to you know being a radio dude. So that's a yeah. really cool show. Interesting. Yeah, I would I would listen to it. You'd probably uh, you don't have to listen to every single one. It's definitely one of those ones where you can kind of pick and choose. But I just I, people always ask me where it's like oh what shows do you listen to. So I thought that was a, it's a nice little segue into the uh, the music that we listen to. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so do you want to do you want to start these things off with your uh, your your number ten pick, my friend?
1: Yes, um, I need my list closed. But my number ten <laughs> is Joey Badass, and the record is called "Badass"
0: <laughs> with "Money Sign, Money Sign."
1: Yeah, the "Badass" is spelled B four period D A period Money Sign, Money Sign.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, the um. I did. I still haven't listened to the record. Um, I liked all of his like the because he put out a ton of singles before this, right?
1: To be honest, I don't. I've never gone really gone back. Okay. Um, I heard the song "Paper Trails" on like someone's like had a, like a hip hop Spotify playlist, and I was in a car once, and the song just like blew me away, and it made, yeah. So I just I wouldn't bought the record and. Uh yeah, and I've listen, been listening to it a lot.
0: Do, um do you buy do you buy a lot of hip hop on vinyl or are you uh, I do. Okay.
1: I do. A lot of times it's cheap. I mean, it, you know, not like the new Kendrick Lamar record, yeah. but
0: <laughs> right? Isn't that like 60 bucks or something? Probably
1: something, I'm sure it's outrageously expensive. I saw I saw one today that was it was only 30. But you know, that seems a, I don't know. It's a, yeah whatever. I don't even really like that record, but, um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, feel, you feel like you need to own it.
1: <laughs> I kind of do. Right. Um, cause I feel like I should like, I don't, whatever. I don't not like it.
0: Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. It's like there, there are records that it's like, it gets such a, uh, groundswell of support by either people you trust, admire, whatever description you want to put on it. And you're like, well, everyone gets this and like, it's a cool record, but like, I don't worship at its altar.
1: Yeah. So I appreciate I get,
0: it. Yeah, I get that. It's like, yeah, way to, way to go, dude. You met Barack Obama. Like people love this record, but it's just, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not on my top 10 list, which is not on, I, it's not on either of ours. So.
1: so there we go.
0: There we go. Pitchfork.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Joey Baddish just has like this, like total nineties, like nineties vibe to it that I love. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's just, and that song, yeah, that song paper trails. Just blew me away.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I got, I got keyed into him cause at one point when I was at PETA, we were trying to work with him on something. I think he was like, you know, some anti-fur thing or whatever. And I just remember, obviously the name is hilarious. So I immediately was like, Oh <laughs> sure. <laughs> like I got to check this guy out. And then I listened to him. I think it was just like some singles. Um, and I was like, this, this dude was cool. Cause I, I think I listened to him and, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blank. This, this dude named kid ink. And like, it was like in a matter of two weeks, I was listening to all these like random hip hop dudes that I'd never heard of before. Um, I think Vince Staples, cause he had some singles out at the time and it was just like, that's, an,
1: that's another record that got a ton of hype and it's good, but it didn't like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that was, that, that was the, I mean, if I were to, you know, kind of, Make a default slot for hip hop in my top ten list. That record probably would have been in there for me, uh, probably just because I listened to it the most out of all the hip hop stuff that came out this year. But it, you know, it still it didn't crack the veil. If I uh, <laughs> was comparing it to all the other records I put on there,
1: yeah. Did you listen to that Big Sean record at all?
0: Uh uh-uh. uh It's great. Okay, it's great. You you no, are, you are you are, uh, you are my hip hop aficionado. You and Scott Arnold, <laughs> even though <laughs> even though Scott Arnold has a tendency to be like. Well, to be fair, the new Justin Bieber is pretty good, but um, he always comes out of left field with like, do you listen to this? No, I haven't, Scott. I guess I will. Maybe.
1: Uh, Scott and I were texting today about the challenge, the greatest television show ever.
0: The fifth, fifth yeah. American sport. Might be fourth. Might be. Uh, Better than hockey? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Better than golf.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, once football is outlawed, you know, something's got to take its place. So why not? Why not have it be the challenge?
0: You know what? I never really considered this, but there has to be... Well, no. You probably can't gamble on the challenge, right? Like, there's no lines on it.
1: No, there's no lines. I know people do, like... uh, Fantasy drafts. Fantasy drafts. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, even that, like... You can kind of, like... I don't do this, but... I I know, you know, like... I think, like, Jacoby and Juliet... probably I'm talking like they're my friends. Um, (laughs) Like... I think by, like, I know they're not allowed to, like, post on social media, but it's, like, sometimes you can kind of, like, by the time when they start posting, you can tell when they're, bat- you know, so.
0: Yeah.
1: But there's, I think there's holes in that, uh.
0: Yeah, there's no way that you could, like, theoretically bet money on something that has already been predetermined, like, eight months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and no, I'll have to, I'll have to uh, dive into that record a little bit further. Um. My number 10 record is the Foxing record, Dealer, it's called. And I, I think I remember you saying that you dove into it a little bit more after our, our last conversation.
1: I did. Um, it was very good. Beautiful and record. It's a record where I wish I would have been able to spend more time with it because who knows where it would have ended up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is a. I was impressed.
0: Because I just. I wrote. I. I don't know why I really wrote the band off as just like, oh yeah, here's like a me without you junior. Like I saw them with the hotel year. They played at chain reaction and they were good, but like they were really energetic and like, not like, you know, like at the drive-in, like spitting on their heads or anything like that. But I just got that sort of, you know, energetic vibe from them. But then this record is obviously so subdued and casual and laid back and textured and just, you know, really thoughtful, especially for, what I I presume that these dudes were like in their early twenties, but most of them are in their mid to late twenties, so that's you know, it makes a little more sense that they could write yeah. a record like this. But um yeah, it just totally took me by surprise and I I loved it. And I think if I did maybe um if that record did come out a little bit earlier in the year, I, that probably could have climbed up a little bit more in my list. But it's just such a such a beautiful record by and I love those records where it's like, you're not expecting anything. And then people start talking positively about something. And then you're like, all right, impress me. And then you listen to it and you're just like, Ooh, I need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't I'm impressed. Totally. I don't need to have that, um, record store, record store cleric mentality that you and I, unfortunately yes. try, try to shed so many years ago.
1: <laughs> yes. It
0: sticks um, with you forever. It does. But yeah, but way, way to go guys. Way to, uh, turn turn a uh, you know music snob's heart around <laughs> and they're from st louis too which i find so charming in a way as well
1: yeah they uh uh being choir vandals on 613 and just played their record release not that long ago
0: nice choir vandals yeah. aren't from st louis though are they they are oh for some reason i thought they were from illinois
1: um will lived in illinois for a while. What are they 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 claim St. Louis. I don't know who they they whatever.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Dude, this is this is really not that important. Yeah. (laughs) What's your uh, what's your number nine? Uh,
1: The tallest man on earth, Dark Bird is home, Um, which uh, I think this is his fourth record, Mm -hmm. third fourth yeah yeah, and uh, he was you know I heard the first record you know years ago. And was just immediately blown away. Just like his voice is so unique, and just like you know, something about you know the singer songwriter stuff that he does. That you know he does. it's sounds like it hasn't been done before. Like he's he's not like you know necessarily reinventing the wheel, but it's not like you know just another like white guy with a beard. Oh, yeah. um, but and then I kind of like this. You know, I didn't lose like stop following him, but just like the second and third record just didn't interest interest me as much. I didn't keep coming back to him. But then this record just like blew me away. Um and I'm, you know, I it's still on like uh constant repeat. Like I listen to it all the time. Probably more so than I even listened to the first record. Right. Um which to me it's always like when your fourth record is you know, my favorite record like that's just, that's not usually how it works out.
0: Right. Yeah. Your, your first exposure to stuff is usually where you end up like going, yeah. especially after a while, you know, you don't continually go, man, this new record. I'm just, I, I kind of forget about the old ones.
1: Yeah. Like this is, you know, unrelated, but I was having a conversation with, with someone. Um, and we were talking about outline Trio and she was like, Oh, my favorite album is my shame is true. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like totally. And, it comes out that that was the first record she, that was her introduction to them. And was like, okay, well I guess that makes more sense, Mm -hmm. but come on now.
0: Right. (laughs) You definitely can pick a person by age and be like, okay, especially with bands that have like a large body of music where it's like, you know, like hot water music for an example. It's like, you could be like, Oh, okay. So you're a forever and counting person because you're over the age of thirty, or it's like, oh, you're a caution person because you're, you know, twenty seven. Like <laughs> you're, you're totally able to pick. I'm, these And things. I'm
1: a fuel, I'm a fuel for the hate game person. So oh,
0: there, there you go, dude. You're you're bucking the trend, but and see, I love caution. So <laughs> maybe not the best examples, but <laughs> but still, I, I your 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 point of the the introduction to an artist's body of work when you immediately identify with it, it's hard to kind of uh, replace that with newer stuff that comes out, especially so deep into an artist's career.
1: And I can even like, you know, AFI is one of, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time. And my favorite record is Shut Your Mouth and Open Your Eyes because that was like, I think, the first record where they started to like find their sound. And it was the first record that like really hit me. I don't think that's their best record by any means, but it's my favorite you know. So,
0: you couldn't yeah, you couldn't argue um you couldn't argue against someone being like, "Oh, that's not their best record." You're like, "Yeah, but it's my favorite."
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, there's a difference between best and favorite. Totally. And as long as you're um I guess cognizant enough, you could be able to differentiate between the two. Many people can obviously, but <laughs> Yeah. yeah they'll, they'll, stupid. they'll they'll die on their hill. They'll be like, "No, this record's <laughs> the best." Well, no, that's just your favorite. It's not the best. Like it sounds terrible. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: The um and I like I I remember us looking up the uh I was like he's from Sweden right and you guys were like no no but that, I always
1: thought he's from Texas
0: yeah that and that was that was why I was immediately taken by him too because basically anything from Sweden I'm like all in on like unapologetically um and so yeah I I bought into him and everything that he's done I, I the thing I like about his records too is like they're they're so easy to listen to like yeah they really. But they're they're engaging enough to entertain you, but not enough to where it's like so distracting. Where you're just like, oh, there's that one song on the record where it's like, you know, he's like beatboxing or something, like you know, something that's yeah. like so out of left well, field. Where you're like, oh gosh, I can't listen to that right now. Well,
1: it's a, it's one of those records that either like, if you have repeat, you don't have repeat on, and it's over. You're just like, whoa, how did that go over so fast? Right. Like, just like or if it goes, you know, with repeat, like it repeats. You're just like, you yeah. don't really. I mean not saying the songs sound the same it's just like an easy listen where it doesn't like i'm you know a lot of times where if i hear the same song twice like i can't listen to the same song twice in a row um so if i like and i have a hard time listening to records twice in a row so if like a lot of times it'll start over and i'll be like ah oh, turn it off turn it off but like right. this is a record where it like it can just keep going and i i don't really like it doesn't bother me
0: right you like this this is fine Go ahead. Re- repeat yourself, yeah. friend.
1: <laughs> um, I would like to see him. I've never seen him before.
0: I know. my um, Our mutual friend, Riley Breckenridge, because uh, I think he was actually the one who turned me on to them because he saw them, this was like maybe three or four years ago, he saw them at, or him at the Henry Fonda, and he was like, it was transcendent. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, how could a person that's essentially a singer-songwriter be transcendent? Like,
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah,
0: But... That there, there he is.
1: Good on, good on him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, my number nine record will uh, inflate your ego, Joey, because you released this record. Uh, <laughs> it's the Julian Baker record, Sprained Ankle. And um, obviously, you released it, so you're very biased, and you will agree with almost every word I will say here.
1: That's really good.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but the—I the, mean, I, I definitely, uh, obviously, primarily listen to it because you released it. Um, I mean, you know, I probably would have found the record otherwise, but I wouldn't have been so on top of it if it wasn't for my, my relationship with you. But the, uh, it was just so, so nice to listen to a record that, you know, you could tell was just coming from every right place. There was no pretension about it. There was no goals. There was nothing, nothing going on besides this record was recorded and people heard it. And then people wanted to release it and then more people are following it along. And it's like, it's every, every way that an artist or band should be exposed. And that's like how I feel about the way that people are finding out about this.
1: Totally. It's just, it's like a really, I mean, and being on, um, you know, the, the business the end fo- of it all. Yeah. Like you're, and just you're, the, seeing, you're
0: the suit. I don't trust you.
1: See, yeah. <laughs> seeing like the, the, like watching it happen and watching, her, you know, get more and more attention is like, it's really cool to see on this end, you know? Um, yeah. And it couldn't happen to a, a sweeter girl. So,
0: yeah, she seems like uh, she obviously has a very good head in her shoulders. She's intelligent about it all. And she's just like, she's looking at this for what it is, which is, is an opportunity as opposed to being opportunistic. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. She has, you know, no, there was no intention of like, I'm going to make it. Right. It was, I'm going to some in my dorm room away from my band. I'm just going to write some songs. Oh, I'll go record them. And then, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, this record was done maybe a year, year and a half ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, yeah, that's clearly not what's happening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, as, as I just watched, saw her play with the national for two nights in a row.
0: Right? How how was the? I was actually going to ask you about that. How was the response for her those nights? And I, presu- I mean, I presume the national was just flawless as usual. We don't need to comment on how.
1: I'm going to uh, talk about the national for a second, please.
0: but ooh, all right. in a minute.
1: Okay. Um, it's. I mean, she's by herself. She has no band. It's her, her pedal, her pedals, and her electric guitar and you know there's always going to be a few people but she takes over the room it's so impressive people paid 150 for normal normal tickets for this these national shows or 350 for vip seats oh. and the vip seats was like dinner at like a like the, the venue is super small and it had like a bar around it and you could sit at the bar and watch the show mm. and get food i guess and the first night she was done, and people like were cheering for more. I mean, it was crazy. Just That's like amazing, watching the the you know the as the crowd get quieter and more appreciative as her set went on was like pretty impressive.
0: That's really cool.
1: Um, yeah, it was great. It was a very cool experience. Um, the National is the greatest band in the history of music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they they are. They
1: were being around, you know, you know, we were with Julian, you know, when she would get there to load in and soundcheck and did like the national and their crew were incredibly nice and incredibly like supportive of Julian. And it was, just, it was very cool to see because they didn't have to do that. Like, you know, Matt, the singer doesn't need to like come up and like introduce himself to all of us and, you know, give Julian a hug because she played shows with Elvi right a few months ago like i mean it was like she broke a string and not Bryce Aaron is that the other guitar player Aaron sure Just was like oh here's some strings he, like gave her strings like it was it's just like it's cool to see you know a band who could sell out the Hollywood Bowl
0: be real human you beings know?
1: yeah it was right. and the first day they hadn't played in so long um their sound check was practice so just literally Julie and i Julian and I, and like the staff who were working, got to see the national play twelve songs. Nice. It was like we had our own private show.
0: Right. You're like, go ahead, keep going, guys. You can work yeah. that stuff. You can work that stuff out whenever I mean, you
1: want to. Well, they like they would play songs that they ended up not even playing. Like, it. Would, yeah, I'm not trying to rub it in because I know that you're.
0: No, it's. You know. Hey, it was. I'm well. I'm glad that someone has the experience.
1: It was incredible.
0: That's so good. Yeah,
1: mean, it was. It was really. It was awesome. I I, I do. And I, Aspen is the weirdest place in the world.
0: Well, I mean, it's Aspen. It's basically it's like putting putting a really 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 rich town on top of a mountain and then being like, hey, all you local people need to get along with everybody here with all this money happening. It,
1: it, it, yeah. <laughs>
0: the The thing that scares me about the national, just it just because like you and I and like most of our friends are so near and dear to this band, watching them grow and just watching them play and be the massive band that they are, is like I don't like I don't know where they could jump next. You know, like how much bigger can they get?
1: I mean, it's just crazy to me that like they're not on the radio.
0: Right. And that's the thing where it's, so like, it's like, I don't know where they're going to go. Like, are they going to be, you know, are, are they going to be as big as whatever you two, like I, I don't. And, and granted that doesn't, maybe I shouldn't say that I'm concerned about that, but I'm just like, where's, where's this band's place? Like, are they just going to be that hugely, insanely successful indie band that like,
1: well, it's, it's like in mistaken for strangers. Uh, so, I don't remember who asked him, but someone asked Matt, the singer, like, How famous are you? And he just like you know, puts his fingers barely you know a little bit apart. And he's like, I'm like this famous, and it's true. Like we know if he walked on the street, you and I would be like, oh shit, that's the dude from the national. Of course, no one else cares. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, So like there you know is room for them to get bigger in like the big picture, but. I don't think that will necessarily happen. Like, I don't think they're, they're not writing songs that the mass public are going to lose their shit over. No, totally. Um, uh, um, and they did play a new song and it's not like, you know, a radio, a radio hit.
0: Right. (laughs) They're They're not changing the mold.
1: No. Although, I mean, it was different, but you know, it's not like pop hooks and you know, a dance beat. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, Interesting. As long as they just keep, I don't. As long as they just keep putting out records, I don't care.
0: Yeah, we don't. I mean, they're basically, they're how you and I always measure our years as being good. If we get a Jimmy World record, now we do have another band that we can add to that <laughs> repertoire yes. of like, oh, it'll be a good year because National's releasing a record.
1: Which I would imagine that a Jimmy World will release a record this year. Has it been? It's true. A Couple. Of, it's been. They did mean. It's been two years. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they have to.
0: Yeah, got to step on it. I know Jim Adkins on Instagram has been uh, publishing some uh, some stuff of of them writing and whatever. So we have that to look forward to. Did yes. you did you do your number nine already? Yes. A okay. man on earth. Oh, that's right. I'll do. Uh, I'll kick my number eight, and then we'll kick it to you, and then you can do uh, seven after that. So we'll just cool. Keep, yeah. So my number eight is uh, Leon Bridges, the Coming Home record. Um, that I mean, it's the record you you would play it for anybody and it would be like the most inoffensive record. Like people immediately gravitate to it. They're just like, wait, what is yes. this? Like who, who is this? Wait, what do you mean? This isn't like some fifties Motown record you just randomly discovered. It's like, no, this came out this year. It's like, what, what do you mean?
1: Well, it's, uh, and we'll probably talk about this record maybe a little later, but, um, it's a, it's like a Motown record with like current pop hooks. Like, totally. I mean, it, it doesn't sound, it's, it could fit in that era, but it doesn't sound dated at all. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds current.
0: And I think the thing about it too, is that it doesn't sound, I know I use this word for describing Julian, but like it doesn't sound contrived. Cause I, I think it's like, you can tell when people are trying to capture a specific, like feeling and moment and are being very um, calculated about it. And like, I mean, clearly like Leon Bridges knew what he was doing with this. Like this wasn't accidental that he decided to dress up like how he does and <laughs> how to make yeah. his record. Like, I don't mean to paint that broad of a, or, I, I don't mean to say that this wasn't just like, Oh, happenstance, but it's like, it just feels, um, uh, authentic. Yes. And it comes from that place where it's just like, no, this is the music I grew up on. This is the music I love, but I want to put my own little, you know, new 2015 polish on it.
1: Um, Totally.
0: Yeah. So yeah, the record's the records awesome. I, I'm really, I, I do want to see him live. I have watched some videos of him on YouTube and looks awesomely solid, so. See,
1: I, here's my, I he was on Saturday Night Live recently.
0: Oh, I didn't watch that at all. I wasn't that impressed. Yeah, Saturday Night Live's a tough But it,
1: tough, Saturday Night Live, tough. yeah. And it doesn't always sound the best. Like, the vocals were just way too loud. Right. But that's not necessarily his fault. Right. Um, but it was weird because he, I don't remember the first song he played, but... His second song was The River, which is, like, the least, like... Totally. TV, like... Yeah. I'm, like, pretty, pretty it's, lo- awesome. Pretty, it's awesome that he played that song.
0: Yeah, pretty low-key for that sort of
1: yeah. audience. Like, hey, new audience who's never heard me before, I'm going to play a real slow, quiet song that's totally. just me, another voice, and a guitar.
0: Right. We'll just we'll chill you out here.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, it was cool. That was good. The first song, though, I was not that impressed by.
0: Yeah. I'm Uh, I'm I mean I whatever the next time he comes through like not excluding when he's coming through well like literally right now um I think you know he's gonna whatever he's gonna play the Hollywood Bowl he's gonna I mean he's gonna be in such a massive venue that you'll be like oh wow so I guess yeah everybody likes this record
1: (laughs) yeah well uh yeah it was I think over the weekend we were Nicole and I were in a Kate Spade store and it was on and there you know it's just (laughs) totally so yeah.
0: It definitely yeah, I've I've heard this record at multiple um retail outlets that it's like, oh yeah, this is a perfect retail record. Yes.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: What's your uh, what's your number eight?
1: Uh turnstile, nonstop feeling.
0: Nonstop uh, feeling.
1: It's probably my favorite hardcore record of the year. Um I feel like they're they're keeping making hardcore interesting and doing something that like they want to do and at the same time. People are just eating it up, which is awesome to see that they took this risk, and it's paying off, I think very well yes, um, you know, direct support to basement coming up will uh yeah
0: I think break him to a new a new <laughs> uh a new audience of people yeah
1: um I don't know it's just awesome seeing a band that like doesn't care, you know they're not trying to fit to a mold and it's awesome. I've only seen them once, but the one time I did, like it was like seeing, you know, like Bane in like the nine, like the late nineties, early two thousands where it was just like kids didn't care. They just went nuts, you know, jumping off anything, like just wanting to be a part of it and like, you know, go crazy. And it was that, and that's, you know, that's what happened during their set. And it was just like, kids didn't care if they got hurt. Right. It definitely. It was, it was just, but not in like a, a violent, like aggressive way, just in a, I need to, I'm going to lose my mind. I need to do a front flip off this monitor.
0: Right. Yeah. In, in a very, just like, this is what a heart, if you were to like close your eyes and embody like a positive hardcore show vibe, it's like, that's what, yeah. that's what they're trying to create.
1: And like in a time when like, there's a lot of like, you know, moshing hard, like that's like a thing. It's cool to see a band that kids just want to have a good time to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's enc- it's encouraging cuz it's like it it's encouraging to show the fact that it's like there's so like clearly effort is placed in this the band as far as like them writing music and well I mean even though their their first 7-inch honestly isn't very good.
1: No, thing. I didn't really like either of their 7-inches.
0: Yeah. But you can tell where it's just like they were just building their own momentum, you know, by obviously doing what you're supposed to do as a band, just playing out and getting in front of people and, you know, making the right connections and touring with the right friends and that sort of stuff. And then, um, yeah, it just gets it to where they're at now where it's like it, yeah, you do feel it's like that groundswell of just like everybody jumping on at the same, you know, juncture and starts to really just, you know, add fuel to the fire. It's awesome. Totally. Totally. Um,
1: yeah, so uh, my number seven is "Hop Along," painted shut.
0: Saddle Creek's finest.
1: Yes, um, there hasn't been a, a Saddle Creek record I've really paid that much attention to in a few years, so it's cool to, um, to have another
0: one. They're not, but so, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Saddle Creek isn't very prolific anymore I mean they don't, they don't release, I don't think so they don't release a but ton of records
1: they're they're doing like the, a new Thermals record like later this year
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but that's you know and then I think they kind of just stick to like oh Tim Cashel wants to do a solo record or The Good Life or
0: right.
1: you know, you know I think it's like the, they're the quote unquote like their family that they've worked with for the past what 20 years right. 15 20 yeah yeah so it's like, they just, I don't think they're really branching out and like,
0: yeah. Yeah. They're not in the hunt for new bands. No. Uh, Unless new bands are like desperate to be on their label, which I know yeah. I pretty fairly certain hop along was like throwing themselves be like, Hey guys, we want to be on your label. And
1: I mean, kudos for saddle to saddle Creek for, uh, for doing the record. Cause this record is phenomenal. Um, as someone who, you know, I wasn't in love with the first record. I thought it was cool and just like, check this one out on a whim just being like oh let's let's see what you know what we have here and i was blown away just her voice is very cool and unique um
0: and to and to to be clear too if someone pays attention to your listening patterns you have a very strong soft spot for female vocalists i do i do <laughs> you love you love love and well, actually, I, I mean, I was going to act like it's difficult for me to wrap my head around that, but it's just like no, no doubt's one of your favorite bands, so of course you have like female vocalist. No
1: doubt is the reason I got into punk, so it's like it started there. <laughs> right.
0: <it's laughs>
1: keep but, on trucking.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the re- the record is really really good. I actually liked. Uh, it was cool. Saddle Creek. I'm for whatever reason on their publicity list, and they sent out emails. You know, whatever. Being like, hey, here's your new record. blah, Blah blah. Um, but they sent out an email cause this record came out in February to like remind people like, Hey, remember we put out this record earlier in the year and people, you really liked it. So here, put it in your, your, that's, your best of list.
1: I mean, that's smart because super smart. Yeah. But Though I'm looking at my list. Joey Battis, I think came out in January. Turnstile came out in January. Hopalong came out in February.
0: Yeah. You're early adopter there. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Interesting. And how do you how do you track your list? Do you just like keep like put songs a, in a playlist or you just have you
1: No, know, I just I just have a list in my phone of uh records I enjoy. Got it. And then I kind of like you know, as the year goes on, like ah, I haven't listened to this. Like Death Cat, the new Death Cat was not there for a while and I was like, you know what, this record's cool, but it's it's definitely not gonna make my list. So I'll just or start I'll erase records as the year goes on. Mm. Uh, just because I know to to make it easier when I need to really
0: Will Get that down. brass
1: tacks, yeah.
0: The uh, I just I usually put like my favorite song from a record on like a best of 2015 playlist, and then there I just kind of sort through the list and be like, all right, this was good, but it doesn't make you know it doesn't cut muster, um, and then I kind of pick my list from there because in that way I can reflect on it, you know, whatever a couple of years down the line, and be like, oh, what did I really like in 2015?
1: I do that also. I just always forget that it's there, so I forget <laughs> to add things to
0: it. <laughs> totally. Your your list is your definitive. Uh, yeah. The way you sort. Yes. Nice. Um, my number seven is the, because uh, of course, as you know, me and my love for soundtracks, uh, I, I would be remiss if I did not have one, if not two soundtracks. <laughs> as pretty, pretty soon, like maybe in like two or three years, it's going to be like Just
1: all soundtracks, 80%
0: soundtracks. Um, this is, this is the first entry. It's the uh, ex machina soundtrack by uh, Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barlow, um, who, one of them, I think, has some tangential relation to Portishead in some capacity. I can't remember, huh. but it's their uh, it's their first score that they did together. Um, and you, you saw the movie, right?
1: I did, and I actually recently, when I was back east, bought the soundtrack on vinyl.
0: Oh, there you go. Was it on be- beautiful white or beautiful blue? I believe it's on white. Nice. Yes, that is the uh, that is the retail variant. But um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet, but it's okay. It's in your collection, man. Um, The yeah, it's just it really reminds me of like because last year, if I'm not mistaken, I put the Gone Girl soundtrack in my top year-end list. Um, Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of that because it's very minimal, electronic, atmospheric. um, But then there's enough to make it sound like songs as opposed to just like creating atmosphere. Um, But it's just it's just really really good. And then plus, it's like anytime. To me, I also define the success of a soundtrack uh, and especially one that obviously isn't like an actual soundtrack in regards to, because there's obviously there's a score, which technically this is a score as opposed to a soundtrack, which is just a collection of songs that were featured in the movie, Yeah, you know, like our, our eternal favorite, uh, Batman forever. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I always reference that, just, but just dude, for sure. And you too, I think they, they were on there too. Um, but uh but yeah, this is a score. So um anytime a score actually makes me want to rewatch a movie after listening to it once or twice, that's when I'm like, Okay, that's because they kind yeah. of or you watch the movie and then you're just like, God, I gotta listen to that score. Um so yeah, this this totally did that. Um and I, I just like it now where I'm so heightened in watching movies that I pay such close attention to the music that's featured in it that it's like it's almost like the moment that I'm done with the movie, I'm like, Okay, I need to get that. <laughs>
1: This needs well, to be part of my collection. God, I had just, I mean, there was, um, oh, it was I, when I saw that movie, The Guest. Oh, yeah. And, I, like, the second it was over, I was just like, why is this not on vinyl? Why do I not have this yet? What is, like, I need this right now. Totally. And, I mean, it, it like, but, I mean, music, I mean, obviously, you know, music helps make the movie, like, obviously. Like, that's why it's there. But, like, you think of, Ma- like, Mad Max Fury Road and, like, the, like. The music that's in that movie, like if it was any different, I don't think that movie would have been as good. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's such. Yeah. It's like to me, it's almost like more difficult to do the job of like a composer because it's like so much just writing on your music, but at the same time, it's also like so underappreciated. You know, like <laughs> totally. It, whereas, like, obviously, a band, like, you know, they put out a record and everyone, that's the focal point. But this is, like, to accompany it, but then also not overshine it. And it's just, like, where do you, like, in your head, where do you draw that line? It's like, this is going to be the best thing ever, but it can't be too much to distract from the awesomeness that is the movie.
1: Um, I have a question about soundtracks. Do it. Or a specific question. Do you think um, Explosions in the Sky get um, checks from all of the soundtracks that rip them off? <laughs>
0: I, honestly, I would not. I mean, I know you're asking that kind of jokingly because everyone, yeah. but there has to be like th- their lawyer is 100 percent like on retainer, actively pursuing the, the the I mean mimicry that is going it's
1: on. Insane,
0: it is. I mean, it's it's obviously it's like thievery, except they're the people are changing it enough to where it's just like that that little. Oh no, it's like whatever, it's like you know, vanilla ice and obviously uh, Yeah,
1: did it in mine
0: has a <laughs> totally.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I but I mean I think they're a good example of like, you know, Friday Night Lights was an incredible movie. But if it, you know, had a different sound, like a different score, if it was just like, you know, Joe Schmoe did it, would it have that movie been has have been as impactful? Right. Nope, um, I don't. I, they were like the first. I mean, for me, like the first time that I remember, like a soundtrack being like, "Why? What is this?" Even yeah. though I knew it was, but like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: well, again, what? no, I think I think it's important to make the distinction. It was a score, you know, even though it was a band yes. performing yeah. it. But it's yeah. like, it, it, no, I agree. It's definitely the. I mean, the main reason that we paid attention to it was because we both liked Explosions in the Sky. So it was like that. That curiosity, but then just to listen to the, both of that combined, it was like, oh, it was a no-brainer to be so in love with the music that was featured yeah. in the movie. But yeah, so but I'm, yeah, X- I'm still
1: a- mad. I'm still mad. I don't have the original on vinyl. I, I, had to, I had to get the repress.
0: Mm, well, you got the repress. You can you can buy mine for 150 bucks. <laughs> I, I have it framed on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> the uh I'll do my number six, and we'll bounce it back to you. Yep. The, uh, number six is the Sufjan Stevens record, Carrie and Lowell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know you may have more things to say about it in the future. Um, but the, uh, I just God, records so beautiful. So everything, obviously all the heaviness that is the record of, you know, him, the relationship, his parents, parents dying, all that sort of stuff. Just like, there's so many, um, ways that that could have like gone wrong as far as like, Oh, here's a person, trouncing over every cliche of what it's like to, you know, have a broken family and what it's like to have a father that's not paying attention or whatever, you know, like all the, the rudimentary stuff that people obviously can derive artistic merit out of. Um, but he just executes it so flawlessly and so beautifully. And even if it's like, you don't engage with the lyrics, there's no way that you can't listen to music and not be moved, you know? Totally. So yeah, beautiful record Psalm, whatever, five or six months ago. And he just, he, you know, played ninety percent of his record, and he just, you know, had the whole fifteen hundred, two thousand capacity venue that I was at just like in the palm of his hands. Like he could have he could have done anything he wanted to at that point, and it was just he could have made the whole room silent for like five minutes, and everyone would have been like, sure, no problem. What do you want right now? <laughs> <laughs> it was just so it was so cool to watch that uh, take place from an artist who's you know, I mean, theoretically huge. You know, he's in the, in the same fashion as. Um, you know, Leon Bridges record where it's just like you could play this stuff at any retail store and people would just like, Oh, who's this? It's like, that's the same way. But this record just, yeah, it's so it's, it's so next level it just kind of puts a lot of other people who are trying to do the whole singer songwriter thing to shame.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So what's your number
1: six? My number six is Royal Headache and the record is called High.
0: This was this was one that when you mentioned it to me, I, I wrote it down for future reference. So I'm I'm excited to still listen to it. I haven't. Um but I plan on it <laughs> so tell me tell me the vibe of the band. Where are they going it's,
1: for? I mean, you know, I think they, you know, would be classified as like a punk band, but to me I get like an exploding hearts vibe where there's that, you know, you know rock not rock and roll, you know, like I guess rock and roll vibe. Like there's just there's a little there's more to them than you know, just being a, it's a, not a, a, another punk band. Right. Uh, you know, there's, it's catchy, there's, there's harmonies. Then they'll have like some like slow, like, I keep wanting to say doo-wop for some reason, but if they're not like doo-wop songs, but like. <laughs> sure. The, but tem- I mean, it, the tempo. Yeah. Like they're just, they just, it's just an interesting, interesting record. They're from Australia and it's like it, the record kind of, I think, you know, it, it came out on what's your rupture, rapture, rupture, rapture.
0: Rupture. Uh, yeah. I think, I think rupture, but who knows?
1: And like sold out instantly. Like they're just, they're like blowing up. Like it's crazy. Um, I'd be curious to see what happens when they, when they come back.
0: Um, they, they've, they've played in California before.
1: I think they, I think so. I'm on, I'm like a relatively new fan. Sure. You know, within the past, um, you know, few months. So it's, it's tough to like, I don't know if they've been here. I'm, this is their second record. So I feel like they have. Sure. Um,
0: but where, but, yeah, where, where they're going to play next time they come through. Yeah.
1: I just, I mean, if you look at like their Spotify playlist, it's like, it's, it's impressive.
0: A lot of plays. A
1: lot of plays.
0: Interesting. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I will, I will check out the record. And then you you said, when, when did it come out? Like Septemberish or? I think it came, I think,
1: I think it was like – I feel like it was September. That sounds right. Okay. I'm going to try to just find an answer for you real quick. (laughs) Now now I'm curious.
0: (laughs) Right. Now you're like, oh, no, it came out in February like all my other records. (laughs) (laughs) Of course
1: it did. August
0: 21st. Oh, okay.
1: But it's like you know a song on the record has 300, over 300,000 plays.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Like –
1: I mean, and it's, I guess it made like related artists like Ty Siegel. And I guess that, you know, they're kind of in that world of like cool guy punk. Right. I don't understand. But,
0: <laughs> right. They have, they have like this massive underground 14 to 18 year old, I listen to band camp all day punk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. That all that for some magical reason have like $75 to spend on a three day festival called Beach Goth. It's like, where did you? Where do these people come from?
1: Yes, right. I have no clue.
0: And worship at the altar of Burger Records, based in Fullerton, California. It's like what?
1: Who started Cassette Store Day?
0: Right. Oh God. <laughs> and I, I don't say that in a disparaging way. It's just like it's in a in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, well I'm, I miss that one completely.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for them.
0: <laughs> totally. More power to you. And like the impression that I get of these guys is that they just like to uh, hang around, listen to garage surf whatever rock punk stuff that they put out and smoke weed all day.
1: The epitome of, and I think they're kind of like in that world is I, when I think of burger records, I think of the band Fiddler.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And for sure. Like, oh, we fucking drink beer and fucking smoke weed and skateboard. Like <laughs> totally. Okay. Like, but yeah. But then, yeah, they have this, 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 this captive audience of young kids. Cause yeah, isn't, I mean like Ty Segall and like all of his cronies, I mean, they're all like, Twenty-three, twenty-four years There's old children, right? And they they all came from Orange County too, which is even more bizarre.
1: They're like, probably hardcore kids at some point,
0: dude. Like, well, Ty Segal did an interview on um, Mark Maron's show, and he was he, like Laguna Beach. He went to like Laguna Beach High School, and I was like, "There's no way that this guy did not get into you know Epitaph, Fat Records, like even if he was that age, he he couldn't have escaped that, of course. But he didn't talk about it, of course.
1: Of course not. That would yeah. r- kill. That would kill his uh. Is uh, his image?
0: It I that I think that's what that bums me out. Where it's like certain people um, that g- fall into categories like that that can't admit that they at one point in their life liked a different style of music. Like I'm almost willing to wager money that it's like like Youth Lagoon. You know, like I can probably wager money that if you pressed him, he would be like. Oh yeah, here's some uh, YouTube videos that I made. That's like a pop punk thing, like you know, or some like singer like you know dashboard confessional thing. It's like just own up to it, you know. Well, and that's
1: you know, you know, not to you know keep telling people to buy the Julian record, but uh, you know she, it's I like I appreciate the fact that like you know she's just like you know quote unquote indie darling and people you know New York Times is writing about her, but like you read interviews and she's just like, Oh, mute that use my favorite band. I, you know, and she'll talk about like, you know, pop punk and like, who cares, who cares what you, you know, what you listen to and what you used to listen to, you know? Right. Like it shouldn't, that shouldn't make a difference.
0: It totally shouldn't, but no. but it does to a lot of people. But anyways, that's it. We could probably do a whole, that, that, that yeah. could, that could, that could maybe be a topic for another uh, friendversation we'll have later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Make, make a note.
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, you're number six now, right? Or no, you just did that. Yes. So do your five.
1: Um, Beach slang. The things we do to find people who feel like us. Oh, yes. Yes, this is a great record that I think I was pretty much expecting it to make my list before I even heard
0: it. (laughs) Um, It definitely, I think for most people that were super into the first two seven inches, like sight and ear unheard and unseen. Like we probably would just been like, oh, yeah, this, this record will be great.
1: Yeah. And it was. It's a, it is and still is. No, it, it's a, it's a great record. It's, it's super fun. It's super catchy. Um it's awesome that the dude is he's got to be in his 40s. Oh, easily. And is just having the time of his life. Like, he, that's he, awesome.
0: He lived in California for a year, a year and a half. He was working as uh, he was working in advertising out here. And like and then he uh I think wrote all the beachlang stuff out here and then moved back out once like the seven inches started to pick up. It was just
1: like, Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Neither yeah. did I. So I just, I, you know, I listened to a, a couple, he, he appeared on a few different podcasts. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like, Oh, that's interesting. He definitely was like out of the game, but then <laughs> got pulled back in. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, because of Lang, I bought a Weston record not that long ago.
0: Oh dude. Well, I, i love weston and the only reason i love weston was because you remember my uh uh, weird love for that band digger Uh, yes yeah and that's the the weston and digger did a split seven inch i think on hopeless if i'm not mistaken um but yeah i just i and both those bands were from like the allentown pennsylvania area so love them yeah which
1: which, which weston the one with the kid at the desk
0: oh yeah okay I'm blanking on the it, name of it, but it, I know it's shocked.
1: the one, the cover that I think I saw the most. And it was like, you know, eight bucks at a record store. And I was just like, oh, I'll pick this up. Yeah, why not? Uh, but yeah, so I love this record. I feel like we might talk about it later, so.
0: You, you may. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my number five is the, uh, my second soundtrack entry, and I, promi- I promise last. Um, it is the It Follows soundtrack by Disaster Peace. And um, I know you saw the movie. Um, it did unbelievable movie. Um, the, 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 soundtrack could not be just more perfectly suited for the movie. Um, but then also lives completely separate. Like you could play this for someone and they would be like, I mean, they would easily be able to say like, Oh, there's probably a soundtrack to a horror movie. Um, but at the same time, it's just like this, this beautiful weird piece of electronic music. Um, and this, because the dude disaster piece, like I've, I've taken a real deep dive into his back catalog. Um, he's primarily known in like the sort of chip tune world, which is like, you know, eight big Nintendo type music,
1: um, bringing up choir vandals again. The bass player of choir vandals is super into chip Oh, okay. There you go. He goes to like some chiptune tune festival every year.
0: Nice. <laughs> there's a, there's a band called on Are you familiar with them?
1: Uh, they're apparently not real chip tune. Oh, because they're in, they're in Scott Pilgrim. They are. Um, He was telling me why, like, what they're like, they don't, they use other sounds. They don't, they're not, yeah. He was,
0: so there's, there's like a a hard line in the sand of uh, like true, true chiptune versus, oh, yes. Dude, my head hurts. My head just took, like, (laughs) I'm totally thinking of like people uh, that debate, you know, true black metal versus uh, fake black metal. It's like, there are kids on the other side of the spectrum who are like, no, dude, this is not true (laughs) chiptune.
1: Yeah. Which, it's funny but, that I know
0: this now. I know. Thank you. I'm. i Could aware. share that with you. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, the only reason I bring up Anamanaguchi is because I, I think I was at a show at the observatory, and it was one of those dual bill nights. And I just remember that Anamanaguchi were playing the small stage, and I can't remember what show I went to was playing the big stage. But then, just looking at the kids that were in line for Anamanaguchi, I was just like, "Who? What the fuck is this?" And I don't. I have no. I I feel old because I have no idea who this <laughs> this band is. But then once I Looked into it further, I was like, "Oh!" And you know they do the Nerdist song, like the the little intro. Oh. Yeah, there you go. There's another fun-filled fact for you on yeah. the Nerdist podcast. But, um, anyways, disaster piece. Just he absolutely killed it, and I hope that he does more soundtracks because he just did such a stupendous job with this. So, it follows soundtrack and great a great piece of vinyl too. You bought the LP, didn't you?
1: I did. I was super bummed. I was a little late to it. And so I ordered it, and then I got the email a couple days later that I was like, uh, "Due to overwhelming demand, the first press is sold out." So I got they sent me second press, but
0: mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, it's but, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just such cool artwork too. I just love. Yeah, I like I, I like what so many of these these soundtrack labels do, where it's like they commission art that is obviously. Taken from the movie or inspired from it and it's not just like, you know, a really cheesy, horribly done job like most of the, you know, early nineties. Like any of the old soundtracks that I try to get a hold of, I like pick up and I look at a look at at a record store and I'm just like, Oh, this is ugly. I don't even want this. This is just like the cover of the D V D or VHS or whatever,
1: you know. Yeah. Well I mean if you're gonna charge thirty plus records or thirty plus dollars, you know, you better give me something to look at.
0: No, that's true. Good point. <laughs> the um moving on to my number four, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. This is the, uh, the Jamie XX record called in color or in color. If you are French Canadian (laughs) or Montreal or whatever, um, the, I could not be more surprised that I love this record. Even though I was just talking about how amazing disaster piece from the (laughs) Chiptune electronic music (laughs) side of things is, um, I saw him play at the Shrine Auditorium. Sold out two nights. You know, 2, 2,500 people, or actually no, Shrine Auditorium so it's like five
1: thousand. Okay, so, was he? Wait, was it in the? Yeah, it was, in, the big was it the was in like room. the general admission room. Yeah, or yeah,
0: like the warehouse sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that's like I think like five thousand or a right. fuckload.
0: Whatever it, tot- it is. Yeah, two nights in a row where it's just like, oh my gosh, uh, unbelievable. So I was just like, I, and I, I specifically didn't pay for the show, and I ha- do not feel bad about saying that because uh, primarily I'm
1: sure, it was, I'm sure it wasn't cheap.
0: No, I mean, it had to have been like 50, 60 bucks, you know, um, not to mention like the $30 of E that people needed to buy in order to <laughs> experience the show or whatever. But, um, I specifically was like, all right, I'm not going to pay for the show because I just need to, I don't know if I'm going to like this and I'm going to be super bummed if I just spend a lot of money on some experience yes. that sucks. I, I've, I, I've, I dance at the show, Joey, like you, <laughs> you know me and you know that that is not a, that's not a common practice for me at all. Um, And it was such a... It it was so good. He, like, actually was... You know, he had a record table. He was actually performing in the sense of, like, you know, doing all of his... The the, the sonics that he created on record, like, actually live. And it was just so unbelievable. And it's like he was able to, like, gauge the vibe of the room where it's like, okay, like, I'm going to set it off with this, you know, really well-known song of mine, and then I'm going to bring it down with a more mellow song that I have. Um,
1: Like, was he... Was he playing, did he only play his songs, or did he just, like, he did, did he, like, mix in, like, you know, other songs that he, like, remixed, or, like...
0: Yep, he did, he, he did, like, some, basically, he did most of his own originals, but then basically, like, bars and, like, uh, interludes of the stuff that he's done. Like, you know, he did, like, Take Care, you know, the Rihanna and Drake song, um, and so it's, like, everything that he worked on played a part of his set, but it wasn't like the focal point. It's like, it's not like he did the entire song, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was just so, um, it was unbelievable. And it's like, I mean, he must've played for two plus hours. I mean, I left like maybe an hour and a half into it. Um, like I wouldn't say unwillingly cause I was definitely like, okay, I'm tired because he started, you know, in usual DJ fashion, I think he started playing at like 11. Um, so I was like, I'm not about to stay out till like one thirty in the morning. Um, because it's, you know, Monday night or whatever, but, um, he was just so good. And the record, it just, it, it's, it's every, if you like the XX, like you probably will like elements of it, but it's definitely just, you know, it's it's everything that he has done from his sort of production standpoint, just kind of amped up and being like, Hey, I saved the best stuff for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> are there, are there vocals? Or yeah, there are vocals. Like there's uh, like, I want to say like young thug is on a song. Um,
1: and would it just, um, were those people there, or would it just, like, he would just play the like,
0: he? I was ex- I was expecting him to have, like, guest people come out, because it seemed like a perfect opportunity for, it's like, okay, here you are in L.A., like, you're going to yeah. have, you know, oh, here's Kanye. <laughs> like, not like he's on a song or anything, but still, like, have a really big oh. reveal. Nothing. It's just him. So uh, he would just play the songs. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting. And the, he, he would sing like, his parts and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, it was just all piped in through the records that he was playing. Um, but such, yeah. I, I, the only reason that I'm talking about this record so much is because it was such a like, left-field experience for me to be like, oh my gosh. Like, I listened to the record a lot before, so that's why I was hyped up for the show. But then even after it, I'm like, there's no way I can't put this record in my top 10. So.
1: Well, that's a, actually a nice segue into my number four. Beautiful. Which... Is Joanna Newsom divers because this record just came out of left field? Like I've I'd heard her in the past and was just not into it. Her voice is unique, unique <laughs> to say the least. And it just I was in I had you know the the rare experience these days that you know because I hear everything beforehand because I'm a, a, just a an idiot like that, but like. Of being in a record store and having you know the guy put on a record and being like, "What is this?" and actually ask you know asking the guy working at the record store like, you know what it was and buying buying the record based off that like I haven't done that in a long time, so it was it was a cool a cool way to find this record, and it's just it it's blown me away. Like, right. Like, it's hey, the biggest this, surprise. Like
0: this, you know, feel, were, this feels like how you're actually supposed to get into a record like at a record store.
1: Yes. Yes. It was very organic. Not, you know, not like, well, I guess I'm just going to scroll through, which I do enjoy the, the scrolling through the new releases on Spotify. Like it, it just felt like this is how, it, you know, I missed this. So it was, you know, and it just, it's, it stayed in rotation. And yeah. You know, if you would have told me in January that I'd join a Joanna Newsom record would make my top 10, I probably would have laughed at you, but you're, right. you're drunk. Yeah, but it is, uh, this record's blown me away. Um, I don't know if, you know, I haven't really gone backwards yet, I plan to, Um, but this, I don't know if there's there's more, like, instrumentation to this record, and it's not, you know, I don't know if, on the one, I feel like the one I heard before was just a lot of harp and her vocals, like, not much else, so that... You know, I don't know. Right.
0: You don't, you like, you, you don't have a basis of comparison. Like it's almost, it's almost cooler to do exactly what you have done where it's like you come into a person's like, you know, catalog so late and you don't have any of these other, you know, the baggage that sometimes we carry around when we've been a fan of an artist for so long that it's, it's just like refreshing to be like, oh, this is their 17th record. Dude, it's super into it. Just found out about last month.
1: Like and that's what I'm curious of. Like you know, her like you know, longtime fans are like, this record sucks. Like I have no clue, and I don't really care.
0: It's like the I, it's like the uh, alkaline trio, uh, my name is my name is true. So you're like, what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, like I'm sure everyone else is like, no, no, the one with her dressed up like the maiden, that's the best record. Right. Like, uh, uh, okay, if you if you say so, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm uh, very happy with. Uh, this record,
0: and surpri- I, so. I guess, number n- number four, maybe in the future, should just be our our like surprise slot, or yeah, just like,
1: Dude, a left field.
0: You never would have expected this from me, but here it is. Yes. <laughs> so what's your number three?
1: Um, Liam Bridges, coming home.
0: There you go. There he is. Yeah.
1: Not much more to say about it, but it is. Uh, you know, I, it was uh, before I even heard it. It was it was recommended to me by a mutual friend, Brandon Porter, who described it as boinking music. <laughs> So I don't know if it was, and then,
0: and then you think that Right. And then you threw up immediately. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, because he says boink, but, uh, it, you know, I, I listened to it against, you know, a better judgment of his de- description and was pleasantly surprised. Um, the, I'm very curious to see what he does next.
0: Oh, for sure. Do you, uh, and this, this is obviously a joking question, but like the, uh, when you're a person who obviously makes music that is considered, quote-unquote, boinking music, where it's like, you know, whatever, you're D'Angelo, you're, you know, like, Shadé, like, whatever, all these people who are making, like, you know, sexy music, like, is it one of those things where it's like you, are you ever tempted to listen to your own record, you know, or you be like, okay, well, I've made the definitive sex record, so... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it's like, or or do you go the opposite direction where you're just like, okay, well, I'm gonna play something like super abrasive. Like, let me just put on some Cannibal Corpse and yeah, get you. Listen, and I'm
1: gonna listen to this, uh, Slayer and right, yeah.
0: Let's put, let's put on some Cryptopsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great record. Echo, obviously, yeah. echo your sentiments. Um, yes. my number three record is Zombie Shapeshift. This is a band I've loved for quite some time. They released this record on Relapse. Two man group. Uh, well, I was going to say guitarist, but basically multi-instrumentalist and drummer. Uh, they basically just kind of, uh, and without uh, pinning them into a complete corner, uh, 70s-ish, like synth, horror-ish sort of soundtrack music, but created by a live band, um, which obviously separates them from a lot of other bands. And the fact that these dudes like did it for so long, uh, touring in a van. Like, the first time I saw them was in Tillinger Escape Plan at Chain Reaction in, like, 2001 or something like that. That's crazy. To where kids, you know, kids were just like, what the fuck is this? And I, I was like, I love every second of this. <laughs> um, and so it definitely, you know, kind of keyed me up to liking so many of the soundtracks that, you know, I eventually ended up loving. Um, they we- paved the way.
1: I say, were they the gateway for you?
0: I, I mean, I was... They definitely helped. I would I would really cite them just because it was like, you know, I mean, obviously I know that we can love bands that existed prior to us being able to see them live, but there's something that's so incredible about watching something in front of you and then being able to like really latch on to it on so many different levels. So yeah, I because it's like, you know, I never was able to see, you know, Goblin. In, until they reformed in the past couple of years. But it's like, you know, in 2001, I never would have been like, Oh yeah, I'll see goblin. It's like, yeah, I love the dawn of the dead soundtrack, but am I ever going to see that live? No, um, Yeah. but yeah, so this, but this record is um, just building on everything that they've done in the past, but it, they really key into um, just differentiating their sound a little bit. Um, there's a little more, maybe like science fiction, elements to it, but just, if you, if you think of like pro studio musicians, like you could put these dudes into like any situation, and be like, hey, can you write a mariachi song? Sure, no problem. Like they're just so pro about it. And the, the fact that they decide to put their professional music on a you know, uh, fictionalized soundtrack to science fiction and horror movies is just like, oh, it warms my, warms my heart. So, way to go, guys. Way to, way to go, zombie. Good job, guys. Yes. Um, my number two record is the turnover record peripheral vi- per- nice. per- peripheral peripheral vision um i know i i we did not speak about this last time but i think you're i know you and i were texting about the band and you're like i can't listen to this band because of their promo shots <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of tucked in t-shirts
0: and i it was funny because i i just love your very very random like i can't do this because of that like you you always have the you never cease to entertain me or you never cease to impress me with the, the, the connections that you make of like, Oh yeah, I well, won't, I won't eat in and out burger. Cause I threw up 15 years ago because was of it.
1: Seventh.
0: <laughs> so yeah, but I, anyways, I just, I just had to put that in there, but uh turnover. I like the first record they put out. Like the first three songs are really good. Then the rest of the record kind of falls apart. Um, and then I saw them, they played, they opened up for Koji at chain reaction on that record. They're really good. Um, but this record, they just like, Hey, so all that sort of shoegazy stuff that every band is trying to sound like now, how about we do that except make it really, really catchy. Um, and that's exactly what they did. And it's in the same way that your tallest man on earth record of like when it's over, you just want want to listen to it again. Same thing with this turnover record for me. So that's why it's like, there's, I I was really tossing and turning between my number one and number two. And this ultimately ended up with number two, but such a good record.
1: It is. I I came around. I got past the promo picture. I'm glad. And I really enjoyed this record. It was. It made my honorable mention. Good. Um, yes, it is a, a good record. I haven't seen them since. I think it might have actually been that Koji tour. Mm-hmm. The Koji tour. Ivy League toured with them.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. There. You're right. Yeah. That was the same. Yep, same tour.
1: Um. So yeah, that was the the last time I saw them. And I honestly don't know how much of it I watched. Yeah. Um.
0: They did really, I just, I specifically went to see them with uh, the story so far, whatever, a month and a half, two months ago, so late 2015. And um, I, I was like, all right, this is going to be a rough opening slot for them, playing to a bunch of pop punk kids. And even though they're on run for cover, but like, I just, I didn't expect that much reaction. Kids were losing their minds. I, I just like. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited. Good to for see them. You. Yeah. Where they can go from here. Yeah. Let me go, turnover. What's your, Good uh, job. what's your number two? My number two
1: is a record by a self-titled record by Natalie Prass. okay it was from Nashville slash Richmond I don't know which is which came first or where she lives now um, but I know she's hit, lived in both um, she actually this was recorded at the same place that the Julian record was recorded uh, with space bomb studios in in Richmond did like Matthew it's like Matthew you Matthew e. white
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah.
1: Domino. It's like him and another guy like it's kind of like a collective like studio thing and she recorded there she's kind of part of that that world. Um and it's just like this, you know, you know if, if like Jenny Lewis had more like was more like orchestral or like there's like some soul elements like um it's you know this record came out of early earlier in the year and it's just it stuck with me. Throughout and this was, you know, for a while was my number one record, and it you know, it got bumped to number two. But I think that's still pretty good. Yep. Uh, and and what's,
0: what's and who put that? I forgot. Did you, did you say uh, Domino put this out, or is this? It shit? was
1: no shit. Matthew White on Domino. It was released on Space Bomb but like immediately, uh, Columbia was like, "Oh, pump the brakes." We're gonna and they it was re-released on Star Time. Star Time, yeah. So okay. I think the same label is like Bully. Got it. But it's through Columbia, I believe nice yeah and what's cool is like you know the record's got you know all this like instrumentation and all this like you know interesting stuff and then i saw her live recently and she just played as a four piece so the songs were like restructured and it was just cool to see like her like take the songs and you know they still essentially sounded the same but like hearing like the bones of them right
0: whatever. it the was trans- cool the transition from like what it is on the record versus what they could do live with it
1: yeah yeah. It'll be cool to see, you know, I'm assuming like, you know, assuming she gains more popularity and grows and, you know, if what she'd be able to do with like, you know, if she would bring more people on the road and see what she could do then.
0: That's, uh, that's exciting to watch, like, always have kind of the what ifs, because usually we observe music in a very static state you know it's like whatever the band it's like a five-piece band like you know what are they going to do like maybe add a keyboardist like maybe they'll do one show where it's like something different but like to watch a band that can kind of scale up and down like that is pretty exciting
1: it was like when bright eyes uh lifted came out and you know there was like a big deal of like he was touring with like a 13-piece band or something but it was like you know you kind of you didn't really know what you were going to get the next time and you know oh like I think the next, you know, after that tour, I think I saw him and there was like five people with him. And the next time there was eight, you know, it's just like, or he's by himself, you know, like, right. It's always cool. And then it's cool to see how the songs are reworked in that sense. Also.
0: Sure. It's very versatile.
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Nice. So then what's, what is your number one record, Joey?
1: Tell Uh, us. my, My number one record is Sufjan Stevens, Carrie and Lowell.
0: Nice.
1: Yes. Um, I was, I think, a casual fan. You know, I, I'm,
0: uh, and
1: you know, like every every person who likes indie rock, have a, a copy of Illinois. Of course,
0: you're not uh, you're not a soup John head.
1: No. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I, I had, you know, what was the age of ads. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, like you know, I'm just a casual fan, and there was so much like hype and, and like press about this record. I was like, all right, I, like I probably wouldn't have ever really listened to it you know, otherwise. And so I saw the, you know, people talking about it. I was like, fine, I'll listen to it. And it was just immediately just like, holy shit. What are you, what is this? What, what is happening? Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I love listening to the record with my head, like in headphones mm-hmm. because you can hear like, you know, he'll do like, he'll sing that like, you know, he'll, he'll do the like vocals like twice, like over, like overdubbed. Mm-hmm. And you can I really like hearing like when he stops lines a little bit shorter just like there's so many like and I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just like who knows, but like there's just so many like cool little things about this record for a record that's so quiet and for lack of a better word, simple even though it's you know it's not simple at all um, yeah, it's just it's it's a very interesting and I don't know great record.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, obviously I agree, but I I mean, there, I think there, there is something that you said there that I find really interesting of just like the, it does, um, the execution of it all is it's to me, it's like flawlessly put together where the, uh, whatever imperfections that are there, like were clearly deliberately left there. And like, he obviously listened to them and thought about this and was like, no, this like, it sounds cool. I want to keep it like that. Or no, I want to move this around because of this or whatever um and it just it does i mean all of his records do have that feeling of like oh this is pulled from one person's crazy brain you know um and just because his other ones were so ambitious and so large and so like um wide wide scale that you felt like this one was even more difficult to pull out of him just because he has been on that road of like all right, dude, like here's your crazy electronic record.
1: Like age of ads is a weird record. It's super weird.
0: And like, there's nothing. And I guess you would, I mean, one could argue that this is like his most, I mean, obviously from a musical standpoint, his simplest record, but then also just kind of, his most straightforward. Just like, I mean, besides the fact that he's, you know, making songs about States, like, I guess that's pretty straightforward, (laughs) but like, (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, really like just the, the sort of tried and true, what is a singer songwriter? Like I was talking about when I was talking about the record of just like, what subjects do you talk about? It's like death, family, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's like, he could have, there's so many things that he could have done wrong, but yeah, the record just kills it.
1: Yeah. Um, I've never seen him and I would like to see him. Yeah. Um, I think it was last week there's yeah, like this, I don't know, his name's Galant Gallant. Gallant? Gallant, I think it's Gallant, Mm -hmm. um, who's, I think, like an R&B singer, posted like a, I guess he's toured with Sufjan Stevens before, but did a cover of Blue Bucket of Gold, which is on the record, and and Sufjan Stevens is actually playing piano and singing backups. And it's like, I mean, that sounds like an R&B song. I mean, it's just like, it's such a, you know, taking a song that, you know, is essentially fairly simple-ish, and just turning it into, you know, it's the same melodies and everything, but it just, the, the song sounds so incredibly different. It, it's just, it's really cool if you can find it on the, look on the internet.
0: I'll, I'll Google it as they say, <laughs> or no, I'll Bing it uh, as the kids say.
1: Yeah, everyone wants to Bing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, that's my number one record. It's,
0: nice. And in in a in a recurring theme that we've mentioned this record before, my number one <laughs> is the uh, Beach slang record. The things oh, yeah. we do to find people who feel like us. The uh, you've obviously said all of the great things about it previously. There, it's weird. I mean, obviously, you and I are are of the same age. We're you know we're in our mid thirties, and we've been listening to this sort of weird independent music for you know almost half of our lives. Um, well, actually, no, yeah, yeah. I- right. 20-ish years, whatever. We get into it when we're 14, 15, so, yeah, 20 years or so. That um, now we can listen to records that make us feel young, (laughs) and that's what this record does for me. It's like, by all stretches of the imagination, what he is saying in the lyrics isn't, you know, there's nothing that's necessarily new. Like, his phrasing and his earnestness is definitely... Um, unique, like you said, the the kind of the fact that it's uh, he's on his you know second go around and, with trying to make a band work and break it or whatever. But it, it, there's so much of this that could go wrong and just feel like oh gosh, all right, great, yeah, the earnest, heartfelt replacements type punk with hard on your sleeve vocal or hard on your sleeve lyrics. Like, cool, haven't heard that one before. Um, <laughs> but it's like, dude, come on, you you guys just do it perfectly you you make you you know makes you want to pump your fist in the air and do all the things that you you know did when you were 17 years old and you can still do when you're 35 or you can still do when you're 45 it doesn't necessarily matter um and he just yeah just just hits that nail right on the head um and i have to i'd be remiss if i didn't tell the story of when uh i saw them recently like whatever a um, couple months ago I've,
1: unfortunately uh was not able to attend. I know. You, I, I've you, heard I've heard the great stories. Yes, you share.
0: you tried you tried to uh attend well both of the shows but they were both sold out, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was able to because my friend plays bass with Beach Slang. No big deal, Joey. So just calm down, okay. <laughs> um the uh so I went to go see him. Uh they started I mean they, they started playing at like, you know, 11ish or so. It was, you know, whatever school night and I was just like, all right, cool. Like, you know, Beach Slang they only have a certain amount of songs so they can't play for too long right Uh, boy was i wrong they um i've to this day and i I really doubt i'll ever see this happen again where the rest of the band was like all right we're 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 done right and the singer james was like nah man here we go like let's do some more songs let's do the songs that we played already again um how about some covers oh we only know half the song sure let's play that and it was, it, it almost was like an endurance test. Cause like I left, it was probably like maybe, I don't know, hour and a half into it or maybe an hour, 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I just can't do this. I'd love to say goodbye to my friend, like a real human being does, but I can't. And, um, our mutual friend, Jeremy, who was obviously supposed to be on this, uh, this podcast, uh, he stayed for an additional like 15 or 20 minutes. And he texted me afterwards where he's like, just finished. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then shortly after that, the bassist of the band texted me and was like, Hey, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, and I, I, I don't say this story to like air out any dirty laundry. Cause I don't think there was a feeling of like, uh, like the rest of the band was mad at James for continuing to try to play the songs. But it was just a, it was a weird vibe. Cause like people didn't know if it was a joke and people didn't know if it was like, wait, should we be leaving now? And like, it, it got to the point where the singer was like, if you guys need to go, that's fine. We're not going to fault you. Like, we're just going to be here for a while, working our shit out. And it was like, <laughs> "That's more, more power to you guys. So
1: I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I think it's very, uh, very symptomatic of how that band carries themselves and how, especially him, James, wants to <laughs> feel the world, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I need to see them. Yeah. And I will. Next time I'll buy tickets in advance.
0: I know exactly. That's the <laughs> band's first time through California. That's what happens. Yeah. I saw them also after like a, it was at riot fest. They did like a, well, that was, I wouldn't even say an after show cause they didn't even play riot fest, but they played the beat kitchen and I went to see them and it was like, they're, I'm not even exaggerating. They're like maybe 13th show. Like, you know, it, definitely the first time in Chicago, 200 kids singing along. And I was like, Whoa, this is <laughs> going, this is going to be a big thing in the near future. And, uh, yeah, that's where it's going.
1: Well, that was like at fest this past year. I I figured I was going to see him in San Diego, which I didn't, but I was like, all right, I can attempt to see beach slang or I can just go see model life is war. And I was like, I've seen model life is war a million times. I don't want to deal with a line. I'm just going to (laughs) stay.
0: Totally. You're like, I can't, I can't do this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's the, uh, convenience that really makes, uh, makes it our decisions for us exactly <laughs> uh you want to do some quick uh quick movie tv talk
1: yeah let's
0: the uh, let's bang it out. uh i mean i i i know both of our favorite movies because we've both discussed this already but the uh <laughs> the, the uh the mad max fury roads captured oh, yeah. both of our attentions what did you yeah. what did you enjoy about it so much
1: uh just the visuals like it could have been there could have been no dialogue at all and i think the movie still would have you would still, you would have been able to follow what was going. Not that there was a ton of dialogue, but it wasn't a necessity. Like I mean, it was just, it's a beautiful looking movie. Like the the scene of them driving into the storm from like a distance, which is this like the clouds coming in. Uh, it's just it looked unbelievable. For you know, who would have thought that a Mad Max reimagining or prequel or whatever you want to call it, right? Um, I mean I was definitely not like you know and up until I saw the first trailer because that blew me away but before that I was just like I don't care.
0: Right. <laughs> totally. It's like okay this I guess this is cool. I guess we should care about this. But yeah, so it the um I I do like your point about the, the movie could have been silent and you probably would have known as much about the world as like we did even with the sparse dialogue that there was like you're just there's so much so many wide swaths of the movie you're just supposed to like casually understand like I watched I forced Kate to watch it my wife um, just because I was like you'll enjoy this and she did at the end of it but there were so many times where I could just see by the look on her face where it's just like wait so like milk is sustaining this this person like (laughs) they're they're milking women like (laughs) there's so many pieces of the universe that you're just like okay, I, I guess that's how it goes, but like, why is it? No, no, don't ask that question. It's not important.
1: Well, and it's like, I mean, for me, it's like, I don't go to the, if I see a movie, I don't see it. I, like so, so rarely will I go see it twice in the theater. And this movie I saw twice in the theater. Right. Which I think says something. It also says something for the new star Wars, which I've also seen twice.
0: <laughs> Perfect. For force Awakens, shout out. I mean, no, no one's seen the movie yet, so they definitely need uh, our our podcast. Yeah, if you not have
1: not up. seen it, it's this movie called Star Wars: The Force Awakens.
0: Let's just let's let's just say <laughs> there's a very cute droid named BB-8 that will capture your heart.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> um, um, the uh, I just want to th- go ahead. You was it, this was
1: just a crazy year for movies. Like I think I saw more movies this year than I've seen in recent years. Um. And I mean there's like, there's so like the hateful eight was great. Um, so good R- room was great.
0: I haven't seen that but, yet.
1: It'll, it'll punch you in the stomach, but right. it's uh,
0: not an easy watch.
1: No, but I mean there's, there it was just, there were so many good movies this year.
0: I loved the, uh, yeah. Like ex Machina was obviously really yes. I that, loved that. Um, Sicario was unbelievable. Yeah. So tense. I also th- that I actually had to debate whether or not I was should put that score in my in my top ten list. But I was like, dude, I can't come on three soundtracks <laughs> like, again. That's that's another couple of years, but because it was done by that uh, Johan Johansson guy who did like Prisoners and some other movies, basically oh, the, okay. the same director as Sicario. Like he's they have the same trajectory. They just work together in all their movies. So that's awesome. But yeah, um, and then there's a there's one documentary that I want to force people to watch on Netflix called call me lucky. Um, it's by a political satirist slash standup comedian named Barry Crimmins, uh, Bobcat Goldwaith directed it. Talk about a movie that will just like, there's the notion. And there's so many people that say this about obviously our political system, about the world in general of just like, okay, one person can't make a difference. Just watch that movie. And then you'll be like, Oh no, you're right. <laughs> one person can make a difference. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not an easy movie to watch. It's documentary. Um, it's pretty dark, but it's completely, uh, you'll come out the other end being motivated, transformed, whatever, uh, whatever cliche you want to put there, but it's so, so good. I
1: need to watch that.
0: Yeah. It's really just toss it on your, my list and you'll, uh, you'll never get to
1: it. Like I do with anything else on my list. Well, yeah, I'll...
0: that's right. <laughs> but at least it could be bookmarked.
1: At least I won't forget about it. I'll keep going back. Like, Hey, I need to watch this. A... And one day I will get to it.
0: um, what about what about TV? What did you uh, what tickled your fancy this year?
1: Um, obviously review, which I'll talk about in, every year. Right, as long as there's new new episodes. Um, you're the worst was a show that was great in its first season and only got better this past season.
0: I just I finally just I I shotgunned it because I had like six or seven episodes on backlog. But yeah, like the I think it was like the second to last episode. There was the. Where she, the main, char- main character, not Gretchen, right? Is that her name? Or is Gretchen, uh, Gretchen. the friend? No, yeah, it's Gretchen. Okay, anyways, where Gretchen yeah. looks at the guy character, I can't remember his name, but she's just like, you stayed. And the like, yep. this isn't a spoiler, but it's just like, that was like, what? Five seconds and then it cut to the credits? It was just so, so emotional.
1: Oh my, I mean, for a show that's so goddamn funny, like, they just hit like, you know, depression and just like these deep emotions that you know like your your t- typical comedy won't hit on it and it's like it's a sh- you know it actually makes you feel things as opposed to you know most 30 minute comedies on tv
0: right just hear, um, let's, let's hit our literal punchlines and we're out of here
1: yeah um i guess my show my list is rather comedy heavy but that's okay catastrophe on uh amazon
0: oh yeah it's ph- phenomenal I, that was cute i liked it
1: uh, casual on Hulu was great.
0: No, oh, I didn't watch that. You subscribe um, to Hulu.
1: I subscribe to everything. Really? I can't you, miss out.
0: Are you, uh, are you going to jump on the, the CISO, the, uh, NBC, uh, comedy, uh, streaming service.
1: I'm, I mean, I still have, I don't even know what that is.
0: Dude, there you go. <laughs> I mean,
1: I just feel like people are going to talk about stuff and I hate not being able to like,
0: yeah, I understand.
1: Um, I don't know why I initially signed up for Hulu, but I did, and that show Casual is so goddamn good. Um, yeah. Got um, it. I I don't even know if Bloodline came out this year, but I watched it this year.
0: Wait, what? What was it?
1: Bloodline on Netflix. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. I, yeah, it came out earlier this it's, year.
1: It's a slow burn, but man, it is so good.
0: Got it. Yeah, I, I, that's all. Yeah, that's all I've heard as well. I haven't watched any of it, and it's like, I know you gotta, yeah, you, know, you gotta put your head down and get through it.
1: And I know I'm probably missing a million things, but that's okay. Yeah, what do okay. you got?
0: The uh, Mr. Robot was unbelievable.
1: Was, like I said, I missed a whole bunch. Mr. Okay. Robot was
0: phenomenal. Loved, loved that show. I just, I also like, in my head, I believe that Christian Slater is the same character as what he was in Gleaming the Cube and Pump Up the Volume. Like, he's just, the character he plays in Mr. Robot is just a grown-up version of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love that. Um, and Fargo Season 2 was st- was just like a work of art, a masterpiece. Yes. Um, it, it just, there's some, well, there's some things that are just like words. Don't do it justice where you're just like, how did, how did that come together?
1: Well, it's crazy. Like, I'm like, so Fargo season two and leftover season two were to me. I mean, I think Left, leftovers, obviously, I don't know if you watch that, but we're like, I didn't did finish than the first. Yo, completely. The first season, like, I mean, especially, like, a show like Leftovers, that was, like, the first season I enjoyed. A lot of people didn't. But just to, like, yeah, we're just going to reboot this, like, and just pretty much start from scratch with some of the characters. And just, like, knocked it out of the park. It's, like, it's almost like not having to use, you know, be based off the source material, like Fargo or the book The Leftovers. And being able to kind of write your own story, you know, they were just able to do what they want. And, yeah, like you said, just knocked it out of the park.
0: Totally. Yeah, they they really, yeah, they outdid themselves. So it's just, it's weird too, because like obviously we're in a day and age where it's like ratings don't even necessarily matter. It's just the, the critical buzz that kind of happens in the word of mouth. Cause it's like, you know, Fargo and you're the worst and all these shows that, that get kept around aren't because people are watching them. It's like, you know, <laughs> Like the 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 podcast audience that I have is probably like one eighth of like some of these shows, and you're just like, dude, what world do we live in? Where it's like people are listening to people like you and I blabber on, like, (laughs) and they're not watching these amazing pieces of art.
1: Well, I I read an interview, or I don't know if it was an interview or something, a quote from like the guy who runs FX, and you know that show Married came on at the same time as You're the Worst, and Married got canceled, and its ratings were probably better than you're the worst and pretty much just said like you're the worst critical acclaim is kind of what's, you know,
0: what kept it around.
1: It's, it's good to have those shows like as part of your catalog, especially as like TV's going into this, like the streaming services and, you know, who knows what people are even going to have cable down the line. It's just like, well, I want to subscribe to Netflix or FX and I want HBO and CBS and that's my package. Right. So it's like having like, you know, building that catalog and having these critically acclaimed shows that people will eventually watch. You know, I think that's why the Americans is still on the air.
0: Totally. All these, all these shows that are just so good. And like 40 people are watching them. Yes. <laughs> like theory, like it's like, I mean, it's crazy that it's in the hundreds of thousands that these people are watching. Whereas yeah. like, you know, whatever the oh, shitty show like mash has like 40 million people watch the, C- the, the series finale. And it's like, Oh God, that's there's, people- no, there's no choice.
1: More people watch The Challenge than totally. a lot of these shows, and yeah. as they should, because The Challenge is the greatest thing on TV, but... But it's nuts. Yeah.
0: Right. But you, there, there's no way that you and I could argue the artistic merits of The Challenge versus Fargo. Like, cle- yeah, exactly. Fargo is clearly a, quote-unquote, better show, but The Challenge is a more important show.
1: It's just a bunch of knuckleheads running into each other.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Jinx was incredible. Um, I mean, I know obviously everyone's watching Making a Murder right now, which is, you know, very uh, akin to The Jinx, but those were just revelatory as far as the way that, um, you know, take, taking these real-life cases that, uh, you know, Dateline would have focused on 20 years ago um, and making it really compelling, uh, a narrative story out of them that is shocking, is just, it's unbelievable. Yes. Um, and then my, the only funny show that I actually have my list, because, I mean, I liked all those other shows that you mentioned. Um, But Man Seeking Woman, oh my God. In the same way that like, I'm like, so our, whatever, hundreds of thousands of people are watching those other shows. I feel like 2,000 people are watching this show. (laughs) It's like no one is talking about this show, but for whatever reason, it got picked up for a second season. Um, But the first season is so funny. It is so bizarre. It, It just takes every premise of like a single guy in the city looking for love and just flips it on its head. Like I'll illustrate, the pilot episode where it's like he gets set up on a blind date via his sister. This is the, the main character, Jay Bar Um, he goes on a date with this girl and, uh, his sister is describing her and she's, she's like, you know, she's whatever saying, Oh, she's funny. She's nice. And then, uh, Jay Bar character is like, wait, but she, he, she didn't say she was pretty. So she might be, she might be kind of ugly. She might be kind of like a troll. Like, I think he says that to one of his friends and then he legitimately shows up to a restaurant and a troll is sitting across from him. And it's not like a girl talking like a troll or a a, legit troll that doesn't speak English and ends up trying to bite (laughs) his leg off. And it's like, it is so it's absurd to like the umpteenth degree. And the fact that it's like Lauren Michaels is his executive producer. And I'm just like, I mean, to me, that's the only reason it's probably still on the air. Yeah. But uh, it, it's just so, it's so good. And it, the second season just started. I watched the first episode of it and it was just like, oh, are you kidding me? It is so good. God.
1: That's a show I need to catch up on. I've never, or I've, uh, watch.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's it's just, and it's, plus, I it mean, it's half an hour. It's exactly the same. It, it, it's still, it, honestly, it's very, it's a very good companion piece to either worst because it's, uh, it's not as like, um, I guess like a gooey center that (laughs) you're the worst has. Um, but there's still emotional beats that get hit that you're just like, Oh, even though this is like so wrapped up in absurdity, it's hitting on some very, very true (laughs) feelings that we all have in our lives.
1: Yeah. Oh, I need to make that happen. I'll add it to the list and actually get to it.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I think we did it, Joey. We—that is the definitive uh, 2015 list of stuff you should put in your eyeballs and ear holes. Yes, and we did it. Let simmer in your head. So, <laughs> and this recording will not be lost to the annals of time. So, as, as long Good. as I, as long as I uh, press uh, press stop accordingly here.
1: <laughs> Are you sure you hit record?
0: <laughs> oh, actually, can we do it from the top again? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so my number 10 record. Yes.
0: Oh, uh, no. I, I think we'd be too tired for that. Well, thank you, Joey. I appreciate it. Of course. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.